Good morning, everyone. Everybody, all who have a faith in Jesus Christ or think about Jesus Christ will be thinking about Him today and His resurrection. Amen. And we're going to mention that at the close of our service, but that is not what we're going to be talking about initially, but that is what we'll come to. Now, I'm going to ask you to do something as an audience that I've never in my life asked any audience to do before. Uh, pay attention. Pay <laughs> attention. I'm going to ask you, if everyone can get a Bible somewhere, if you can find a Bible somewhere close to you, and open your Bible just about in the middle... And that should put you in the book of Psalms. And turn to Psalms chapter 23, but don't read it. Just turn to Psalms 23. Put your finger on that text. Don't read it. Jerry already read it. Well, please excuse yourself, Jerry. No, no, no. Okay, what I'm going to ask you to do, and it will be sort of a responsive reading. Now... If you, if you wonder whether this went on in the New Testament times, it, it did. And uh, basically, in the church at Corinth and, and in the church at Colossae and the church at Ephesus, there are statements made concerning what people do, singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, speaking to one another. Now, I want you, if you would, please, I'm not going, I don't want to embarrass anyone, but I'm going to, I'm going to look at Psalms 23. And I'm, I'm going to ask you not to read it, not to look at it, just to have it handy. And I'm going to ask everybody to stand up, if you would, right now. And then I want you to quote by memory probably the most famous text in the Bible, Psalms chapter 23, six verses. I want you to repeat it by memory. Don't look at it. Just tell me what it says. And I'll start you out. Then I'll be quiet and let you finish. And I'd like to hear everybody say what you can. Now don't worry. It won't embarrass you. Nobody's going to be concerned whether you know it all or not. But I want you to say as much as you can of Psalms chapter 23. The Lord is my shepherd. Okay, okay. Amen. Everybody, please be seated. Now you have probably, Bonnie and I last week, I've been studying this all week and I've studied it before. And, uh, and so Bonnie and I, we have a Bible, sort of a Bible class every day. We, we talk about, we read some scripture and we talk about it. And I asked Bonnie, we were in the car. Bonnie has been a believer for... Ever. Ever. Forever. <laughs> 
And she'd been in her Bible forever before we were married. And so she knew more about her Bible before we were married than I did. I didn't, didn't even know the names of the books of the Bible. But I asked her to quote Psalms 23 for me. And she got it wrong. As most of you did this morning. Some of you didn't. But most of you did. Now, I won't tell you why. It's a most, one of the most popular verses, chapters in the Bible. The reason why we don't know much about it is we only hear it in times of distress. Isn't that correct? The soldier in the, in the, in the front line, before he goes into battle, what does the chaplain read? Psalms 23. And uh, at, at the graveside or while you're sitting at the side of someone who's dying, you read Psalms 23. And when somebody perishes and the preacher gets up to preach the funeral, Psalms 23. And when somebody is sad about someone leaving this earth, Psalms 23. I'm going to say something that may shock you today about Psalms 23. I believe that we don't know it as well because we take it as the only a panacea for physical jeopardy and death. Psalms 23 actually is a day-to-day verse or chapter for us. As a matter of fact, it was not intended to comfort you when you someone was dying. It was intended to take me through every day, my every day. And I'm going to, from now on, I'm going to think about Psalms 23 when I get up in the morning. And think about it. Now, would you like to see how close you got? Yes. Okay. I have it. We're going to go through this real quickly. Psalms 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for His name's sake. Did everybody get that much of it? Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for Thou art with me, Thy rod and Thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You know... If you were to read, see if I can get back. I have to go back this way. Can't go back? Maybe I'll go back. The technicians are going to take us back. But while we're going back, would you like, would you like to quote the Lord's Prayer for me? What we call the Lord's Prayer? I think you all know it, and I think you can, you're, you're better, more familiar with that than you are with Psalms 23. What about it? Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. That's from Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 through about verse 15. 
Most of you got that one right. Did you know that probably Jesus had Psalms 23 in mind, in view, when he set forth that prayer for us? It says basically the same thing. Basically the same thing. And then a little later on, he says, take no heed for, your, for today. Don't worry about what you eat or what you shall drink, for it will be given to you. And that's the same thing, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. That's the start of it. Now, I want to go back, and let's, let's just go through this a little bit. And I, I think I can show you that Psalms 23 is a daily chapter for us. Something that should lead us and guide us every day. And it has nothing to do with getting into physical trouble. Nothing at all. It has nothing to do with when somebody dies and we stand by their graveside. It has nothing to do with that at all. What it has to do with the fact that God sent us a shepherd and that shepherd is going to take care of us until after we leave this earth, all during that time. Now, this next uh, text talks about sheep. We are not an agricultural or pastoral people. We live in town. Some of you, I look out over the audience, and I, I think, I know some of you probably lived on farms or close to farms, and you may be familiar with pastoral life, the keeping of animals, cattle and sheep. But as close as we come today to understanding sheep, as close as we get today is our knowledge of the, the Spanish Basque sheep herders, and they are in our country. They're basically located in Wyoming and Montana. And you can see the little carts, the little trailers up on the hill, where they, they spend their, their winters and summers with the sheep, taking care of the sheep. And they have a sheep dog. Now, the sheep dog they have is called a shepherd. And as a matter of fact, the shepherd breed of dog is generally understood to be the smartest dog breed of dog in the world. The shepherd dog. So German shepherd, whatever shepherd type of shepherd it is, this is the smartest, most loyal, most courageous dog, most intelligent dog generally acknowledged in the world. And this dog takes care of the sheep with the shepherd. But in the New Testament times, in the ancient times, there were no dogs, just the shepherd. And the shepherd took care of the sheep. And the Bible refers to the followers of Jesus and of God as sheep. Psalms 95 verse 7. Psalms, Psalms 23 does not say that, by the way. It does not say that we're sheep. It says he's a shepherd. But there are other texts in the Bible that talk about those who follow Jesus as being sheep. Psalms 95 7. He is our God and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his land, of his hand. Matthew 9.36, when Jesus looked out over the multitudes, he saw that they were scattered abroad as sheep, having no shepherd. Now, John chapter 10, which we'll get to a little bit later and more in detail, but he said, I know, I know my sheep. I lay down my life for the sheep. He says, other sheep I have which are not of this fold, then will I bring. So, Matthew 15:24 a, a widow from Syrophoenicia came to Jesus and wanted him to heal her daughter and Jesus said I'm not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. So these are the first ones 
as it says in the Old Testament, that he, he was sent for is the house of Israel. Now, we're not the house of Israel because we're other sheep, not of that fold, but he did send Jesus to come get us also. Now, the question that comes to my mind is, why does he call me a sheep? Why am I a sheep? There's nothing courageous about a sheep. There's nothing daunting about a sheep. There are plenty of other animals in the Bible that would be more what more flattering to me. More flattering? Job 39 talks about war horses. Why didn't he call Bill a war horse? You know, he called me a sheep. And wild donkeys that sniff up the air in the, in the wilderness, they know their way around. He even talks about peacocks in, in the Job 39. And goats and lions and bears. Maybe I want to be a bear or a lion. No, he says, Bill, you're a sheep. 1 Corinthians one twenty seven says that a believer... He said, see, see your own selves, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. He's not calling us sheep because we're wise. He's not calling us sheep because we're noble or because we're mighty. But he's calling us sheep. Well, maybe we're intelligent. <laughs> On the scale... On the scale of husbandry, the sheep falls below the intelligence of the cow. So he's not calling us sheep because we're super smart. And he's not calling us sheep because we have a almost a 360 degree range of sight. 270 degrees is what it is. Sheep can almost see behind themselves. Now I know when I was a kid that my mother could do that. When, when I was in the room and doing something wrong, Mother saw it. She could see it, and I was behind her. Some of you probably have had the same experience. Well, that's probably the only physical characteristic of a sheep that is notable among animals. But there are two things about the sheep, and I think these are the reasons why God chose the term sheep to, rec- to uh, refer to us. And that is, number one, a sheep will follow the leader. I mean emphatically, a sheep will fall. You saw the fellow on the film? He wasn't leading that sheep with a wire or a rope or an invisible string. The sheep was following him because he recognized who he was, and he's following him home. Now, sheep, and we've got two words up here. If you look at them, the word flock is used in the New Testament. A flock is a small group of sheep. Now, they're sometimes called a herd when they get up into the thousands. And so you have sheep herders. And sometimes maybe that's where the word shepherd came from. But generally, the flock is a small group of sheep assigned to one shepherd. And then they're, they're also called a mob, by the way. M-O-B. A mob of sheep. Why? Because a sheep will follow a, a dominant sheep over a cliff. They won't hesitate. They'll just follow. That's what a mob does. Well, I think, though, that that's one of the reasons why we're called sheep, because we will follow. 
We will hear a voice that we recognize and we'll latch onto it. And as a matter of fact, they say this is, this is very important that, that a sheep will in fact be able to identify a specific voice and can sort that voice out from all other voices. So if you have ten shepherds calling their sheep, the sheep will only go to the one that they recognize. They have the sense to recognize that shepherd's voice. And there's also the fold. Now, a fold is an enclosed pen that the shepherd used when he was out in the, in the wilderness, and he would sometimes build one out of rocks and then put briar bushes on top, not because the sheep would jump over and get out, but because predators would get in. That's why he built the thorns around the, the sheep fold. And then he would lay down in front of the opening. You see the reference to Jesus being the door of sheep? The shepherd would lay down in front of the opening so that no predator could get in into the sheep. That would come through him. Okay. Now, the shepherd had two main instruments that he carried with him. One was called a rod. And isn't that what we read in Psalms 23? Thy rod and thy staff do what? Whip up on me, thy rod and thy staff comfort me. Now the shepherd did one thing, he did two things with the rod. The first thing he did was, with the rod, was he protected the sheep. He made sure that the predators, wolves, bears, coyotes, any, even thieves, trying to get a hold of the sheep would have to face the shepherd who had this club that was about three foot long with a ball on the end of it, sort of. And he would beat off the predators. Now that's comforting to the sheep. But he did something else with the rod. When he took them into the fold at night, he held the rod up a little ways shorter than the sheep. So that as each sheep passed through, he had to get down and go slow and go through it carefully. And the shepherd looked him over. Made sure he wasn't injured in some way. And needed to take care of him. So that, that the, the rod comforts me. And then the staff. The staff was used, if you can see what it looks like, sort of. The staff was used if a wayward sheep decided he'd get out of the way and go somewhere else. The shepherd would reach over with the staff and catch his back legs, hook him, and bring him back into the flock. And do that several times, the sheep would finally learn the lesson. I've had some experience with this when I was a kid. I worked for a hatchery, chicken hatchery, and we, we sold legrand chickens, roosters, little guys, to farmers, to chicken farmers. And they'd send me out with, with the pens that I had to erect and set up, and I'd set them up inside a barn, the, the pens, and put all the chickens in there. Sometimes 500 at a time. This particular time I'm talking about was 500 of them. 500 chickens. Have you ever seen 500 chickens in one place? It's a sight to behold. Well, we had to vaccinate these chickens, and so we had an enclosure outside the barn, and as we let the chickens out 20, 30 at a time, then I would catch them, and my boss, who was the manager and the owner, would vaccinate the chicken. And I used something like that, but it was not quite that heavy. But I would catch the chicken, pull him in, and it never hurt him, pull him in, and we'd vaccinate him. 
Now, you couldn't leave the chickens out very long because in the sunshine, if you left them out in the sun, they'd crowd up in a corner and smother each other. So we had to do it rather fast, so it was quick to get them by the legs. So I knew, I knew how they were using that staff, and uh, I knew that it, it, was, it was necessary, and I know this is necessary for the, for the sheep. Now, thy rod, my staff, comfort me. When we read Psalms chapter 23, it says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. The shadow of the valley of death was a ravine going through rocks. And on each side, there was always the chance that the predators could get up on top of these rocks or in the shade. And when the shepherd was bringing the sheep through then the predators could jump down in and get the sheep. Now, you have to understand that in our situation, we're not concerned with physical problems. We're not concerned with dying. As a matter of fact, Jesus said, Fear not him which is able to kill the body and not able to kill the soul. Rather, fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. So what we have to fear as sheep is, for instance, a wolf in sheep's clothing. We have to, Jesus told the apostles when he sent them out, he said, I send you out. He said, but be careful. I send you out as as sheep among the wolves. So the wolves that we're concerned about in our journey with Jesus, when we pass through the dark places of sin... When we go out into the world and we're passing through sinful environments, and Jesus said, be careful. He told James, James said, hey, or Peter said, hey, your adversary, the devil, stalks about seeking whom he may devour. So when we're passing through the shadow of death, we're in the world and we're close to temptation. What do we have? We should have the rod of Jesus. He's going to protect us from the predators. And we should have the staff that will keep us close by. Now that's basically, I think, the context of of that particular verse. The valley of the shadow of death is when we're in this world in danger of falling into temptation. Now, there were two shepherds that we read about in the Bible. Only two that are noteworthy. One is David. First Samuel chapter 16 and 17 give us, the, give us the information about David the shepherd. He was the son of Jesse. And Saul was the first king in Israel. His name was Saul and he was a head and shoulders taller than any man in Israel. So he was made king. Now then, but he, he departed from God's ways and he began to slip back into idolatry and so things that were going to destroy him and the people. And so God, God told Samuel, he said, I need another king. Go to the house of Jesse and get me one. Jesse had eight, eight boys. Eight boys. He had eight sons. And so he brought them in front of Samuel, the, pre, the prophet, and he said, pick one. And he took the first one, and and Samuel said, no. And he took the second one, and Samuel said, no, that's not him. The third one, no, that's not him. Finally, he said, God sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks on the heart. And when they went through seven of these boys, if you can imagine, 
Samuel looked them all over. They probably looked pretty good. He looked at Jesse and said, don't you have anybody else? And he said, yeah, I have one, one more. He said, but he's up keeping the sheep. I've got him out in the field. Now, shepherds were either hirelings that you hired and said, go take care of my sheep, paid them. Or they were part owners. They owned part of the sheep. And so they had a, a vested interest. Well, they owned them all. David was probably a part owner in the sheep. So he was taking care of the sheep. And he was, he was letting them lie down in green pastures. And he was leading them beside still waters. Not a place where the water is real fast and taking them across the torrent. So he was, he was taking care of the sheep. And so they brought David to Samuel. And Samuel anointed his head with oil. And he, and he pronounced the fact that this boy was going to be the next king in Israel. Now that wasn't then the story. Most of you know the, the story about David, don't you? Yep. Not long after this, he went to, he went to play a music, musical instrument with, with uh, Saul, but not long after this, he had to go back and take care of the sheep. And then the Philistines, which were the perennial enemies of Israel, and Israel were lined up on two sides, two mountains, across from each other, fighting and they had, they had a champion. The Philistines had a champion. Who was he? Big, who was he? Who was the big guy? Nine feet tall. Goliath. And so the Philistines said, send us one of your champions. If he can beat Goliath, then we'll be your servants. But if Goliath beats him, you'll be our servants. Well, here was Saul, head and shoulders, king of Israel, taller than any man in Israel. And he says, it's not me, Lord. I'm not going to get that guy. Jesse took his son, David, and he said, he said, boy, he said, your three brothers are up there fighting with, with the armies of Israel. I want you to take some provisions to them. And so he loaded carts and, and animals, and he, he took provisions up to them and to others. When he got there, David heard what was going on. David was a ruddy man. He was a small man. He wasn't, a, he wasn't a big guy. But he wasn't afraid of anything either. When he got there, he saw what Goliath was saying and what the Philistine army was saying. He said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should be challenging the armies of God? And his brother said, shut up, boy. Be quiet. You came up here. You're a mischievous child. You came up here just to see the fight. And he said, no, not so. And he said it again. And people began to gather around David and hear what he had to say. And they took him to Saul and said, listen to what this guy has to say. And uh, the, he said, well, I, I don't think you can handle it. And he said, David told him, he said, he said, one time a bear and a lion got one of my sheep. And I went after them. And I slew the bear. I grabbed him by the beard and killed him. And I slew the lion. And I brought the sheep back. Now that's impressive. Thy rod comforts me. That's what David did with that rod. So Saul said, okay, take my armor and go fight him. And the armor just swallowed David. Saul was too big. So David said, no, I'm going to go in the name of the Lord. Now I brought a show and tell with me. Because... David had a, a bag that he carried around his waist, 
on his on his side, a strap, and he had a little kind of like a little man's purse, but it had provisions in it. And some of these provisions, one of these provisions he had was a, a sling. Now, a lot of people think that David had a uh, sort of what we call a wrist rocket when he went to see Goliath. He didn't. He had this contract. You see this? I used to have one of these when I was a kid. Now, it's two long thongs, leather thongs, and it has a leather pouch. And I put this knot in between these two fingers like that, and I hold on to it. I've used these things. That's what David had. And they are accurate and they're deadly. I used these when I was a kid. I could throw a rock probably four to five hundred yards, if you can imagine that. That will go. You put the rock, put the, and I, I hold the other string with my two fingers like this, and I've got that one there, and I put the rock here. Now watch, kids. Here's what David did, if I can do it. He went down, and he did that, and then he let that go, let that string go. Five smooth stones he put in his pouch. Five smooth stones. He took one of them out, he went down into the Philistine. Goliath said, are you, are you coming out against me like a dog? You're sending this kid out? And David took that sling and put a rock right there in his forehead and slew the giant. And the Bible says that David was taken. God told him in 2 Samuel 7 verse 8, He says, I took you from the sheep coat, from following the sheep to be ruler over my people Israel. So David became their king. Now that was such a story, and our kids love that story. That was such a story that we're told that Jesus came as a descendant, a direct descendant of this man, David. And he came as a shepherd. Jesus came as a shepherd. Ezekiel 34, verse 23 and 24, he said, I will set up one shepherd over them. He shall feed them, even my servant David, he shall feed them. And he shall be their shepherd and I, the Lord, will be their God, and my servant David, a prince among them. He's talking about Jesus, obviously. He's going to be the good shepherd. Now, I'm going to turn to the book of John in chapter 10, because that's where our text started out. Let's talk about Jesus. Let's talk about Him as a shepherd. Some of the things we said thus far are that He said that He was the door of the sheep. Here are some things that He said in, in chapter 10 of the book of John. And I'm going to read once I get my glasses on. He said at verse 7, he says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved, and shall go in and out and find pasture. The, sheep, the thief comes not but to steal and to kill and destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The shepherd gives his life for the sheep. He that is a hireling and not the shepherd whose own the sheep are not seeth the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees and the wolf catches them and scatters the sheep. The hireling flees because he is a hireling and cares not for the sheep. I am the good shepherd and know my sheep and am known with mine. Now we know what he is when he says, I am the door. He lays himself down in front so that nobody can get to us. Now he says, I call my sheep by name. Do you know what? When you stand up and say, I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. 
I confess His name. And you're baptized by Him into Jesus to rise and walk in the of life. You know what? He knows your name. He knows exactly who you are. The shepherd did not have to mark their sheep. When I was a kid, I worked cattle. And we had to mark our cattle. We'd notch their ears before we, before we actually branded them. But then at a certain time of year, we would brand the, sheep, brand the cattle. And the sheep were generally notched in their ear, or they were tagged in their ear so that people could recognize who they were in the big herds. But this text says, I call my sheep by name. That means that Jesus knows every sheep that's his. And he says, his sheep hear his voice. He did not have to put a brand on you. He did not have to give you a baseball cap that says, I'm a Christian. He knows who you are. He knows you by name. And it says, my sheep know my voice. Now, the only way we can know the voice of Jesus Christ is through the Scriptures, through the New Testament. We can hear, the, 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 uh, the writer of the book of Hebrews says, uh, he, he says, uh, Today, if you'll hear His voice, harden not your hearts. How do you hear His voice? Every man that is of the truth, Jesus said to Pilate, hears my voice. Ye shall know the truth, the truth shall make you free. John 8, verse 32. The only voice that you're going to hear of Jesus is going to come from the New Testament, from the Scriptures. If you hear a catechismic voice, that's not the voice of Jesus. If you hear a manual, that's not the voice of Jesus. If you hear somebody wrote another book about Jesus, that's not His voice. His voice is here in the Scriptures. He said, My sheep know my voice. And they'll follow me. Now John said it this way, and I think it's very important that, that we keep this in mind. When he talked about it, he, John had heard the voice of Jesus. And he said in 1 John chapter 1, at verse 1, he says, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard. John said, We heard that voice. Which we have seen with our eyes. Which we have looked upon in our hands have handled of the word of life. The life was manifested. We have seen it. And bear witness and show unto you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested unto us. That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you that you may have fellowship with us. John is saying we're writing down what we heard and that neighbor is the voice of Jesus. So when you're reading the New Testament, you're going to be hearing the call of Jesus and he's going to say, come Follow me. Now, you know, this is... To, to this part, it really excites me. It really excites me that this is what's going on with Jesus. What really depressed me was, in Zechariah chapter 13, at verse 7, the Bible says, Smite the shepherd, and the sheep will be scattered. When Jesus died on the cross, the shepherd was smitten, and the sheep were scattered. But praise God, He came out of the grave. He resurrected. And His voice is just as strong, even stronger today, than it was before when He died on the cross. His voice is here. And His voice is saying, Come unto Me, ye that labor and are heavy laden. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 20 says, Now the God of peace that brought again the dead from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, 
through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you perfect in every good work. He brought again that great shepherd, Jesus Christ, from the dead. And he's here. And you can hear his voice. And it says in John chapter 10, my sheep follow me. If you're ready to follow, maybe this is the time. Right now. If you say, well, I've got to think about it. Okay, think about it. If later on you say, hey, I heard his voice. Give me a call and I'll help you. We'll baptize you into Jesus Christ. Whenever you're ready and you say, Lord, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He's going to take care of me. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He'll take care of you. He leads me beside the still waters. For His own namesake, He leads me in the path of righteousness. His rod and His staff, they comfort me. You can say that. You can do that if you want. That's, that's, that's for you. Jesus Christ says you can dwell in the house of the Lord forever if you want to. If you want to respond right now, why don't you? While we stand together and we sing.